Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. I'm not going to do it the way they do it, because that's just too... It's very disruptive, because you're wondering... Why is this happening? But that's just the way it is. Reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus proposed another parable to the crowd, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be likened to a man who sowed good seed in his field. While everyone was asleep, his enemy came and sowed weeds all throughout the wheat and then went off. When the crop grew and bore fruit, the weeds appeared as well. The slaves of the householder came to him and said, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? Where have the weeds come from? He answered, An enemy has done this. His slave said to him, Do you want us to go and pull them up? He replied, No. If you pull off the weeds, you might uproot the wheat along with them. Let them grow together first until harvest. And then at harvest time, I will say to the harvesters, First collect the weeds and tie them in bundles for burning, but gather the wheat into my barn. He proposed another parable to them. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed that a person took and sowed in a field. It is the smallest of all seeds, yet the, when full grown, it is the largest of plants. It becomes a large bush, and the birds of the sky come and dwell in its branches. He spoke to them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed with three measures of wheat flour until the whole batch was leavened. All these things Jesus spoke to the crowds in parables. He spoke to them only in parables to fulfill what he had been said throughout the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables. I will announce what has lain hidden from the foundation of the world. Then dismissing the crowds, he went into the house. His disciples approached him and said, Explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. He said in reply, He who sows good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. The good seed, the children of the kingdom. The weeds are the children of the evil one, and the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is at the end of the age, and the harvesters are angels. Just as weeds are collected and burned up with fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will collect out of his kingdom all who cause others to sin and all evildoers. They will throw them into the fiery furnace, or they will be wailing and grinding of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. Whoever has ears ought to hear. The word of the Lord. Thanks, you, Thanks you, uh, No, it's similar. Last week's was uh, the like the person who sows, and then the three types of um, results of that. He said the same thing, that who have ears here, right? Oh, yeah, he did say that. But, yeah. That's what we did at the men's group, right? That's correct, yeah, yeah. last week at the men's well, group. Yeah, but it was a similar parable last week, but it was it was different. Yeah. It was last week, I don't recall, uh, was it the one, because uh, it was in Latin, I don't remember what they were saying. Um, but it was, 
it falls on the past. Right, yeah. That's yeah, that's a different one. The, okay, the right. seed falling on the past, the hard soil, the, the good soil, the, the, right? And then you have this one, which is different. Uh, yeah, and the and, and that previous parable, the the weeds ch choked the, the seed from growing. Right. Um, uh, and that reminded me of like anxiety and stuff like that. You, know, you get very anxious about things in this world when the seed goes down. But if it's in rich soil, it's very bountiful. But if you get clogged up with a lot of the, the trappings of the world, it can choke it out. And it won't produce that much fruit. That's a, that, that's a big word. I'm, I'm trying to help family members and some friends. Maybe you guys can help me to help them. Besides taking medication, okay, I get that. I understand that. It does help. But in terms of anxiety, I mean, Scripture tells us, I mean, Christ tells us not to be anxious. Um, that's the one thing I tell my family and friends is, you know, maybe this Scripture passage will help you. I, I think it's the one where... Um, you know, don't be anxious, and uh, something about the birds, the birds. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, okay. I can't even come close to paraphrasing this. We did that a couple of weeks ago. Exactly, right. So, uh, not mentioning any names, but uh, like one particular person I know can't even function in the morning until a certain time late in the morning. Another person just is almost paralyzed, like just can't do anything. It's a different person. Um, another person, because of anxiety, um, has an extremely difficult time, like walking, or will even fall sometimes. Um, These sorry. are three but, different uh, people. Uh, Phil, for some reason, I'm hearing some some background noise. Uh, do you mind? Do you mind going on mute when you're not talking or something? Yeah. No, no problem. Okay, thanks. Um, what were you saying? Have they been like this for a while, or um, all three people? Yeah. Okay. They're all different people, and. Like, I'm not one, I think, who gets anxious. Now, if you stuck a gun to my head, I think I'd be anxious, but I'm not even close to the way, like, these three family members are in terms of how anxious they get and what they're dealing with. I can't imagine what they're dealing yeah. with. Like, Mark brought up anxiety. That has come up so much in the past oh, yes. 10, 15 years teaching. Stress, anxiety, and depression. I mean, that was, like, almost non-existent my first 10, 15 years of teaching. Now it's prevalent with kids and all these medications they're taking. Xanax, right? Yeah, that's the big one, yeah. That's well, I do... Uh, that's the big one, yeah. I do have to say, you are the, one of the calmest people I've ever met in my <laughs> oh, life. So you can't use yourself as a barometer. Okay? <laughs> no, I don't. If you can't. I don't. You can't. I feel like I'm the opposite. You're right, yeah, I do. You, yeah, you, you can't use yourself <laughs> as a barometer. But the other thing is that, I mean, you know, you could be dealing with mental illness here that... Uh, right. That yeah. sometimes... Medication is the only way. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah, I'm yeah, sorry, yeah. but it, you know it, it, it happens that way sometimes because it's a mental illness. Yeah. A mental illness it could be called by caused by a chemical imbalance yeah, or whatever. Yeah. Nothing the person, you know, is doing on their own causing it. But um, but it is you're doing the right thing. I mean, you just help them try to overcome it with right. with scripture and. But not just scripture. I mean, there are there are other good books, holy books out there, mm -hmm. that are, you know, good books that can calm yeah, you and idea, get right? rid of your fears. Right. right. I mean, there are probably some saints who have writings who went through the same thing, and um, that's one thing I learned is there are there are manuscripts and, and epistles and everything from 
saints and everything that, that still exist from a thousand years ago, you know? And they, I wouldn't know how to read them, but, but, uh, but nor would I have time necessarily, but there probably are many things that address this, this exactly. Yeah. So none of them are on medication? All three are. Oh, they are. They're, still, they're are. still anxious? And they're still in this... this well, that's not good. Some of it's really bad, yeah. Well, that's not good. So I'm, I'm just... I mean, how can I help? I mean, I get I get it. They're, they're working with doctors. I understand that. But Phil, you want to weigh in here? You want to comment on this? Maybe give Tom a solution? Or just anybody who knows somebody who's well, I don't anxiety. Know if, I don't know if I can give a solution. I know that uh, with the advent of uh, social media... I think everything has gone off the rails. I know, Tom, even with my uh, two granddaughters, and one especially was definitely impacted by uh, what transpired in 2021 on school, and it damaged her. Um, I'm going to call it the demons of uh, the culture war attacked her because uh, she's a, a kind of an honest person and can't really lie and uh, they were having a demonstrations of having guys going into the girls bathroom and she said no and they attacked her mercilessly and uh, not physically but they attacked her verbally and uh, she broke down I mean she had to leave um, the school she didn't finish her school and you know, she's doing it online now but um, I know that these she's and she has anxiety issues, and uh, and it's difficult. But I, I, the only cure that I know is really our faith. And uh, unfortunately for my granddaughter, um, she hasn't come around. I've offered to talk to her about it. I've offered, uh, you know, try to get her uh, to talk to me about morality. Um, you know, so if the subject of abortion came up, I could talk about it uh, and that sort of thing. But um, it's a tough nut to crack. Uh, the only thing we can do is to be truthful and to be available. And I think being available is really what we're called to be. And, um, you know, Tom, so I really feel for you because you can see what's going on and the medications only treat... Um, the symptoms, so to speak, but um, fundamentally, there's something going on with all of us. You know, maybe we are, in fact, and I maybe it's presumptuous to call ourselves the wheat, but we are choked out. Um, and uh, I don't know how you, you know, I, I try to avoid news now, just so that I don't don't get choked. I guess what I'm coming up with is like several solutions. One is look for materials that might help them. Or oh, yeah. it could be find, maybe talk to them about finding a group like any other group that's out there. Because yeah. like whatever I'm dealing with, I know when I come here or men's group or whatever it is, I think it does help when you talk to somebody who's oh, going through the same thing. Um, yeah, it does. Scripture, prayer. I think those yeah. four things are big. Uh, maybe finding a group. Maybe, you know, prayer, scripture, and then maybe some materials. I mean, that's a good start. Groups or, yep. I don't know about groups. <laughs> some groups, yes, yeah, some groups. Somehow, I'll tell you, uh, right? I went yeah. to some divorce support groups, and they were like, they, more harm than good, right? But uh, bitter? Mm. It depends. Yeah, just terrifically, terribly yeah, bitter. Yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. Yeah. Um, but I do want to say something about the medications. I can't, 
I cannot imagine that every doctor out there is good for a person's health. <laughs> they, not every doctor is moral, not every doctor follows the Hippocratic Oath. Mm. They, there are doctors that give prescriptions just to get the money kicked sure. back and whatever. These people may not even be on the right prescription for their anxiety type. They, yeah, I know one. they could even go to another doctor and get something that might work for them. Right. Right? Uh, Keith, other people in this room have had examples of doctors yeah, trying to prescribe things that, that you know, are not good and you yeah. don't want to be on that. Right. So... Yeah, I was gonna say I take medication and stuff, but uh, I liked what Phil said about um, you know, you know, faith being a key part of it because I do think that um, uh, and also kind of relating it to the gospel thing is uh, whenever I hear this parable about the wheat and the weeds, I know that Jesus explains it as, uh, but I have a slightly different interpretation where I think of like that in our hearts, you know, we have both the wheat and weeds as a as a consequence of original sin. We're like, you know, and, and and so we all in ourselves have, you know, like, you know, the good and the bad. And we got to like, you know, weather through the storm of dealing with the bad. And then, you know, uh, with, with the hope and, and faith that, you know, um, eventually, uh, you know, he will heal us. He'll take those weeds out and, and we won't have to deal with that sin anymore. And or even like, the uh, you know, the cop. Uh, you know that that affects the original sin. But while we're here on Earth, you know we got to deal with it, and uh, and I just you know, knowing that uh, might help people because uh, I don't know. Like so, you, the, the faith life, uh, you know, acknowledging that you know we're sinners and, and we need God's grace, <laughs> and also you know doing whatever you need to do in the you know physical world, including medication if that's appropriate. Uh, I think the combination of those two are a solution. Sounds good. It's not easy. No, I, I can tell. Like all my, all these people, it's just I, I can tell it's not. I can't imagine. They'll tell me, but I'll, to a certain extent, like how things are going. I've been on like eight, over the years I've been on like eight antidepressants. Oh yeah, oh really? yeah. Different. Yeah. I would never yeah. think you. Really? Uh, yeah. Is that right? I don't know. Why different ones? Try to get the right one. Oh, to try. So what I was trying to say, see, it's kind of what I was talking about. But it was one doctor that tried all different eight, or you tried, you had to go to somebody else each time. Started in California, then it continued here. So different doctors. Different doctors. Yeah, because to try to find the one that would work, right? Yeah. That's what I'm saying. These people might even need to go to a different doctor, because I I'm convinced that some doctors out there. Drug pushers. They're drug pushers, they and yeah. and they are like people who want you not only to become dependent upon the drug, but dependent upon them. And that's that's not where we're at, right? Yeah. Um, the the thing that strikes me about this gospel is uh, Jesus's Jesus's interpretation actually is what strikes me, because. In the end times, angels are going to come and they're going to pick the people out who, he says specifically, uh, were doing bad things and causing others to do bad things, I think, right? Uh, is that what it says? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, I'm like, that is a really specific thing, right? 
And I suppose, like, I can be accused of those two things. Yeah. So it's like, if, if this end time happens and I not happen to be in the state of grace, I'm in trouble, right? Right, right, sure. Unless, unless he does have, like, a black book <laughs> and, like, does a scale and, like, say, well, for the most part, you were not doing these things. And it just happened to be when I called, the, called and said, time's up, that you were not in the state of grace and, and they will give you a pass. Um, but... I mean, think of all the people around us who you know are evildoers and causing other people to do bad things. This is not good. Well, yeah, I, but I do think you know, God gives people uh, the grace to, and I even think in, in ways we don't know about, uh, that he gives them the grace to, you know, effectively they make, that, they make the choice of, uh, you know, of whether they accept God or not. And when I hear him say this thing about um, uh, those who cause people to sin and evildoers, those two categories, I think of um, you know, elsewhere he talks about hell as being the place that has been prepared for the devil and his angels. And so I look at the devil and his angels as those who cause people to sin, and, and then evildoers as those who side with them. You know, who, who, you know given, given the choice, you know, whether you're going to side with with uh, you know God, God's way or or you know the devil's way, which is like your way, whatever. It's like people who make that choice. Uh, that that those are the people. That, that's what he's. I, I get it, but I don't think it's that narrow for that group, right? Yeah. You're, you're limiting it to satanic worshippers or or people who you know are demonic or or no, I specifically do evil things against God and for the promotion of the devil. I think Jesus is, there's one, one passage in the Bible where he says, you're going to get to heaven by just believing in me as your Savior, right? Mm -hmm. And that's what we've talked about in the past, that people, even at the last moment, can change their hearts and, and become believers in Christ as the Messiah. But here, it's not talking that way. It's saying actually about, um, you know, evil doing and causing others to do evil. Now, the problem is, right, is when you get into what is the definition of evil, I think. Because it's, if you get into that discussion, you're getting into examination of conscience. Because somebody who we think is not doing the right thing, not necessarily evil, but, for example, we believe that, you know, marriage is between a man and a woman, right? Well, what about these two dudes who got married, right? We consider that a sin, but is that evil enough to get them into get into Gehenna, right? Into the... the uh, I, I, I feel, I, I feel like, uh, is there all right if I go grab the catechism? Because it has the definition of mor mortal sin. And that's Please what we're do. talking about. I was like, what Please is mortal do. sin? To clarify that. But is that what he's talking about here? He's talking about doing evil and, and causing others to do bad. Is that mortal sin? Or is that, uh, I don't know the answer. Yeah, who, did the, who did the catechism? Hmm? Who, does, who did the catechism? Pope John Paul. It's man, not, a man. Exactly. It's a not man. That old. A man. It hasn't been around for man. that long. 
Is that right? I thought well, it was a long. The copy, the copy that I've been reading is early two thousands, but there's an up, there's even a, another updated one. Ascension Press is just coming out with, but I have one that's dated, I think, just a couple of years ago. But before my two thousand, early two thousand version, I don't know if there is one. Are you kidding me? The no, Baltimore Catechism has been around for. Yeah, I, actually, I, think, I know, but I, mean, I think mine's price was around so. 1900 like, No, I understand. Years, but it, that's, what, that's what Bell's bringing up. But it's before 2000. Before 2000, the Baltimore Catechism was the Catholic Catechism. I think when you say Catechism, you mean the one that we... Not the Baltimore one. No, the Baltimore one. No, the Baltimore one just was transferred into the regular Catechism we have today. The one we have today was like, you know, it's more... It was like a scholarly work that was, you know, I think it was in, happened started in the eighties and was finished in the nineties. Um, and the Baltimore Catechism was I think from like the fifties or something. So they're separate. The two. Of them. Yeah, they are two different. Oh, one's not based upon the other. Well, I mean, they're both. I don't know. They're both try to be. Uh, you know, the teachings of the church. But anyway, I, I don't have mine. I think it's in the car, so I'm not gonna be able to look up this definition of mortal sin. But right. my my memory of it. Is that it's something along the lines of uh, you have to uh, uh, first know that it's wrong what you're doing, and and do it anyway, and okay. and, and it has to be a serious serious uh, grave matter, meaning it's a serious issue. Uh, uh, you have to know, actually know that it's uh, wrong, and you have to do it anyway, and 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 that's what I think of as you know the evildoers are. Because yeah. because I don't think you know God is merciful and he I I truly believe he and he's he, he gives people and it's it, you know not all people reach reach this and have this happen in, in this life you know but I'm sure before the final judgment he allows people the like that one part about you have to actually know that it's wrong and so like I think a lot of people. Or like when Jesus was on the cross saying, you know, forgive them, they know not what they do. I think there's tons of people like that. They, have, they just are, are ignorant, and, and why they are ignorant, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know. But, uh, but I think that that's a, a, large, a large population of people that, that you're worried about as being evildoers, I think, you know, are, are, you know, are evildoers out of ignorance. Here, I'll give you the really. This is the category. I guess for some to some degree you're right, but I, when it comes to issues of morality, I think that uh, there is a certain level of morality that is ingrained in humanness, and we have just, it's just been given up. I, I think that uh, people have changed their interpretation of it because they they want to get a free pass. I don't know what you got. What you yeah, got. yeah, this will help. This is right from the Catechism. Um, for a sin to be mortal, three conditions must together be met. Quote, mortal sin is sin whose object is grave matter and which is also committed with full knowledge and deliberate consent. Then they give a definition of grave matter. Grave matter is specified by the Ten Commandments corresponding to the answer of Jesus to the rich young man. And you got, I'm not going to rattle off the Ten Commandments. Um, and then it talks about mortal sin, definition. <clears throat> mortal sin requires, requires two things. One, full knowledge and complete consent. It presupposes knowledge of the sinful character of the act of its opposition to God's law. Yeah, I, that, that's what they're saying it is. 
That's the catechism. The one, but this the, is the what I'm getting one. at, right? Okay, so you've got all these shops in California that are closing down, right? Because people yeah. are going in looting them, right? And then you have employees who are actually trying to stop them and losing their jobs from trying to stop people from looting, right? Because that, it's okay to be looting in California. Is that, right? is that on the news now? Well, it's been going on for years, but yeah, it's happening much more. They're closing, like, I don't know, Walgreens has had, like, 1,200 stores in San Francisco, and I think there's only two left or whatever. It's just like, what? I didn't hear this. I yeah, they're watching. just closing them down because they're not making any money because they get more stuff stolen every day than it gets sold. Right? Oh, okay, sure. So anyway, my point is, is that who doesn't know that stealing is wrong, right? <laughs> That's a good point. So it's like, you know, what, what what's the story here? But what we have a government and we have laws in certain states that say it's not because you can't prosecute these people so it's like you know when you put the government and and laws instead right which instead means in the place of instead of morality that we've come up with over the years from the day of, of adam and eve right People think that, well, if it's legal, then it must be okay. So, um, yeah, there's a conflict of interpretation here in terms of what, yeah, what, is, going to be, what is going to be happening to people. Yeah, I mean, even, even, well, you know, so all people do have the chance to repent. Uh, but <laughs> even people who you don't see repent, like I still think that they have a chance to repent you know, up at, at some point through, you know, ways known, known to God. Because I, I really do think that, like, he knows all all potential mitigating factors. Like, I understand, like, everyone knows stealing's wrong, but as part of the human condition, we have, like, you know, a bunch of things, like, we rationalize things to ourselves, you know, we lie to ourselves about things, and he knows, you know, what the, the true heart of someone is, you know, uh, you know whether they you know actually have that full knowledge and consent, or if there are mitigating factors. And also related to this is even the Catholic Church says you're allowed to steal food if if you needed to survive. You know if, if you know so so. Well, that's true. That's a different story. I mean, these yeah. people are they may be they're telling, stealing the thing these is, things they and may be telling selling them on eBay. That, yeah. They may be telling themselves that they need to do this in order to survive. But then, for that matter, anyone can rationalize anything that they do. And that's why God's the judge, you know? It's like, you know, I don't think, you know, I don't know what's going on. Even people who do absolutely horrible things, like crucify someone, it's like, I can understand, I can think of reasons why they, why a human being would be able to tell themselves that doing that is all right. I'm not saying it is all right, but I can understand how people can convince themselves of that, and 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 I can and and I would and I, and I you know I, I can also understand how they could then be made aware of that them being wrong, and then and then repent and and side with God. So like like I I, I don't know even even people who look like they're the worst sinners in the world, I still you know think that they could easily be saved. One thing, it's kind of a side note. I joke around with my dad a lot, even the past couple days, and 
he seems like he is the type of person where he judges the person by like the cover. Right. And I joke with him. I said, Dad, you can't do that. Yeah, you can't do that. That guy right there might have the most amazing heart yeah. in terms of helping others. Yeah. But um, we're growing up. <laughs> like my parents, they grew up where tattoos are not okay. No. Uh, they are okay. Yeah. I'll give you one example. I probably said this years ago. Don't tell me your daughter's out in there. Yeah, both of them. Okay. Uh, two of the three. <laughs> At least the third one, I don't know. <laughs> but on her left foot, I think it is, my middle daughter. I'm, I'm, I'm like his dad on this. Well, you got daughters. Oh, I don't care. Well, here, let me give you an example. I'm just telling you. So. Oh, no, my a, daughters don't have tattoos, but I'm like your dad that's on okay. this issue. No, that's okay. That's all that right. See, I'm okay with that. <laughs> but on her left foot are the latitude and longitude coordinates of a house on this planet oh, yeah. where we spend time helping Thelma, who lives there, on a oh, mission cool. trip. Interesting. I think that's cool. That's interesting. Yeah. Go for it. I saw it after the fact. <laughs> it was on her foot. I'm like, what's that, Zara? And that, she explained it to me. I thought that was cool. <laughs> cool. Our daughter has them all over. Yeah. <laughs> I'm okay with it. That's yeah. My dad, it's his birthday today, and he has oh, six tattoos. Right. So he's been getting tattoos <laughs> a lot. Yeah, you can't do that. I just don't get it. <laughs> you were never well, I'll that. never get one. I, I just don't have no I interest in it. I, I, I can't <laughs> rationalize that longitude. There's plenty of ways to memorialize it other than to be uh, yeah. defacing the Back in the past, it was mostly just military guys, right? Seems like you're in the Navy, you're out somewhere in Thailand, you get a tattoo. You've been drinking with your buddies in Thailand. Oh, yeah. No, I get it. And I guess let's, you want to talk your father about some of these other parables? No. no, your father wasn't a tattoo type guy? No, not anymore. Oh. Yeah, just a, just a side note. If you know any family member or friend who's been in the military at least one year, mm -hmm. there are so many benefits out there. We're going through this with my dad, just so you guys know. Look for them. Oh, they, are, they are there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's a little side note. So. My mother got... Uh, $1,700 a month, $1,300 or $1,700 a month for her assisted living because my dad was in World yes, War II. We were, working yeah, on that. Yeah. we were working on that it's one. Unreal. Wow. So and that's a lot of money, right? Yeah, my mom passed before we you know, did so the that's paperwork. Things you need to yeah. think, because even the spouse, it wasn't even a yeah. part of it, right? right? So, so um, the other example for my dad is those little devices where when you press a button, there's so many companies out there, oh, but because it was in the Navy for two years, Absolutely. it's going to be paid for, the whole thing. That's good. We don't yeah, that's, that's yeah. right. Yeah. And yeah. so if he presses it, it'll go to all six of us on our phones. That's good. If it's not a true emergency, but he needs help, but he can also contact 911 right away. So this is all little things we're learning just right. the past several weeks. What is it you wanted to say? Well, I was just gonna. I was gonna curious if anyone had thoughts on uh, there, like a couple other parables about um, the mustard seed and the yeast. If anyone had thoughts on, on those. Before that one, yeah. go back, if you go back to the other one, <clears throat> I love the garden. Like my, I plant all my flowers and I take care of them. But I do see it where I have a certain flowering plant in the front where my mailbox is, and the majority, I would say, ninety percent of it, it was just dying, decaying, whatever. And then all of a sudden, a couple of days later, I saw there were a couple of flowering buds coming out. I'm like, I learned from my father in all the years ago that when you have a plant, a flowering plant like that, get rid of the dead stuff as soon as you can. Because when the entire plant gets watered, 
the dead stuff tries to suck some of that stuff too. Right, right, takes the, and taking away from the good stuff. The so I picked out all the dead stuff. You have to look at it now. It's awesome. It looks like I just bought it. It's it's kind of that that weed thing going back to the parable, where if I see the weeds now anywhere, I'm, I'm getting them out <laughs> because I know it's going to affect the flowering plant that I planted whenever I planted it. Yeah. Well, that's true. I was thinking that scripture passage. I know. Well, I know. Says, yeah. And I tried I that one year. I, I tried that one year with my vegetable garden. <laughs> and <laughs> let me tell you, it was the worst thing ever. Well, also, because, I, I have commentary on on why he said to leave it in because uh, it, it it was actually um, uh, a type of it was a type of weed where it looks the same as the grain until it reaches oh, a certain point. Okay. And, and 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 so that's why it's, this is not like a normal. It's not it's like okay. Tom's right, and 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 yeah, you should have pulled those weeds out if you recognize them as weeds uh, oh, er, uh, early that's on. That's interesting. But uh, yeah, the type I think is it's called like a what, this word has a instead of weed it says darnell. The, the darnell appeared as well. And I think I, I do have some commentary in here if I can. I remember one year I had um, gone on vacation, so the weeds took over, right? And uh, tomatoes and squash, everything is there, right? Uh, peppers, I had a big garden. And, um, and the, so the weeds grew, and I knew they were weeds, right. but I also knew that if I pulled <laughs> them out, I would really damage the fruit, right? The fruit plants. So I let them grow, and it was just awful. I mean, yeah, yeah. the weeds were so big and so wild sure. that I you couldn't even see the other thing. I, like, you're looking through weeds to find a tomato. I mean, it was just <laughs> yeah. a disaster. It was, it was the worst experiment ever. So, uh, goodness. And then I tried to do this with these, those, you know, you see an industrial farm, they have these black tarps, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. And then they just have yeah. the plant coming out through a yeah. hole in the tarp, right? That's fine until you try to figure. Well, how's the water supposed to get in this thing? <laughs> well, they put these these drip drip things underneath each one of them, and that's I tried that even one year and it didn't work. Uh, it was just a disaster. I mean, but I enjoyed it. I told you that one year I picked fifteen hundred yeah. pounds of tomatoes. So, that's amazing. So I had some good years. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so this one says it says the cockle is. The lolium tumultum, so named. What? Yeah, I can't pronounce. I, I can't pronounce it. So named from its effect on the dizziness on men and cattle, and it's more accurately translated darnell, not tares. Uh, it says the weed is indistinguishable from the wheat until its more slender ear appears. And then later it says um, he must wait until the ears are ripe, and then the wheat, which grows higher than the weed may be cut near its head while the sickle leaves the weed untouched. This is the usual, This it is unusual to sheave weeds, but then it is unusual to sow them. This is an unusual operation to meet an unusual case. Um, uh, yeah, that's what it said about that, not this one, so yeah, that's why. Yeah. Um, I see, I see. But uh, it is related also to the humans, you know, because you know, we, you know, we are given that free will choice, and so we, we you know, we, sinners and saints look alike. Uh, yeah, um, yeah. So when you get to the mustard seed parable? Okay, yeah, the mustard seed parable, it says here is, um, once again, it is not precisely to the seed that the kingdom is compared, but to the whole situation. No, sorry, th let me read a different um, translation, or interpretation. 
Steve Higgins. Steve is in attendance of an American that group that Robert belongs to. Mm -hmm. What is it called? Legion of Mary. Yeah, they have some kind of whoop-de-doo this morning. Mm -hmm. So he said that he wouldn't attend it. Mm -hmm. When Robert came through the door, I was pleasantly surprised. I don't know. They're keeping me out of the loop now because yeah. I've missed Ostracized the last five meetings. Which oh. <laughs> usually means you get kicked out. Keith, you were expanding on things, and please read that. What is the source? Is this the Bible? or? Uh, so it's going to read uh, some commentary from that book, The Better Part. Oh, okay. And this okay. Is, it touches on all the parables. It says, The kingdom that Jesus came to establish, the one we entered by our baptism, has certain characteristics that he wants us to recognize. First, the kingdom is always growing. It started small when Christ established it, and it starts small whenever it takes root anew, but it is always growing. This growth takes place on all levels, the individual soul, a particular community, and the church as a whole. Critics of the Catholic Church often claim that its current appearance differs so much from its initial appearance of a small group of fishermen gathered around their rabbi that it simply couldn't be the authentic Christian church. They have not learned the lesson of this parable, when you plant a mustard seed, you expect it to grow into a bush. Mustard shrubs grow to about 10 feet in height. This bush will not resemble the mustard seed at all. Even so, it will produce more seeds and more bushes, and even attract birds to come and nest in it. This detail is a reference to Daniel chapter 4, one of the few Old Testament passages that compared kingdoms to trees and conquered foreign peoples to birds nesting in the tree. An allusion, perhaps, to the eventual extension of the church beyond the borders of the Holy Land. Christ's kingdom is alive. It's always growing. Second, opposition and contradiction will always beset the kingdom. The weeds and the wheat grow up together, side by side. In our own souls, evil, sinful tendencies do not disappear as our Christian identity matures. And the church itself never lacks for scandals within and assaults from without. Critics often point out sins committed by Catholics as a sign that it is not Christ's true church. But did Judas's betrayal invalidate Peter's repentant perseverance? Third, the kingdom's impact will always be out of proportion to its dimensions. A little leaven makes the whole loaf rise. A little holiness sends ripples throughout the world. How odd, for instance, that the Blessed Mother Teresa of Calcutta was as famous as the world's great kings and queens and business tycoons and movie stars. That she, a consecrated virgin from Albania, was guest speaker at Harvard's graduation and at the United States National Prayer Breakfast. Similarly, the faithful mothers, lawyers, and teachers who fill their souls with Christ's love spreading the grace of God far and wide. Their impact will only be known at the end of the age, when mere appearances give way to universal knowledge of the truth. In our own apostolic work, let us always sow with hope, sow with the hope of future fruits for the kingdom of Christ. You were specifically called out, Tom, as a teacher. <laughs> <laughs> I think I was, yeah. It was interesting. You guys know my mom passed recently, but um, 
some thoughts went through my head because in year four or five, true story, I'm down, I'm teaching the Hunt School of Prince and I coached, I forget which game it was, I did uh, JD basketball, yeah, it was JD basketball this one game, and they had their minivan at the time, and my parents came to watch me coach, and we got into the minivan, and I broke down, I'm like, I'm done, I can't teach anymore, I can't do this, like living on campus, coaching, te- like it was nonstop, seven days a week. My mom convinced me to keep that, in that minivan, she convinced me to keep teaching. I give her credit to this day. So what would have happened if I didn't have that conversation? I mean, yeah, I'm coming up on year 35, I think. And that's great, though. So I was just I discussing this morning with Keith, with myself, my brother encouraged me to stay with what I was doing. Mm-hmm. But my father saw no good in coming out. And it wasn't like I was hurting anybody or being sinful or whatever. It was just that don't live in New York, don't work in New York. That whole environment that you're in is a very fast-paced, kind of glitzy, glamorous lifestyle, and it's not you. So you're going to leave, and you're going to start all over again. I'm just talking about trajectories. And had I stood my ground, said, you know, I'm doing very well here, which I was, um, you know, things could have been much, much different. And as I said, it's like a four-year anniversary where my brother encouraged me, like your mom, stay with it because you're going to, you know, you're going to grow up and you, you need to do this. And if you don't, like eat his word or whatever, you're going to end up sleeping out in the woods. And basically, that's where I was coming up, it's the 40-year anniversary now, so it still haunts me to this day. And then I read here, listen to those scripture messages, and it's all about the seeds and planting and the growth and getting choked out and other things produce and some, some do not. So I just continue to pray that while I'm still here, God must have a mission for all of us because we're still here. Because mm-hmm. that's the way I look at even your mom's passing. And I always think anybody time I hear that, well, their mission's over. They've completed it to the best of their abilities. God, I, I, I firmly believe that God calls everybody home when their mission is here is completed. And for us that are still living, I think that uh, we still have we still have work to do. He has us here for a reason. No matter what our condition is, no matter if we're broken down, if we're running and chanting with the <laughs> Oklahomans out there, or we're catching stingrays off of uh, off the pier, which I don't know anybody, you know, that, that's an amazing catch. Phil, what do you think? I'm, I'm I, I don't know what to say. Um, as far as the seed is concerned, I think that actually with all these uh, parables, I think uh, we're, all the, we're all those things. Sometimes I'm, I feel like I'm a weed. Sometimes I feel like the wheat. Um, sometimes I feel like the sower, uh, meaning that part of our responsibility as parents is to educate your kids so that um, all I try to do, all through all my kids is to plant the mustard seed, plant the seed of faith. And um, and even in sharing my faith with people, um, 
that I also try to do that as well. But I um, I know that I, I I don't know if you guys have watched some YouTube videos of uh, some street preachers, um, you know, some preachers that uh, obviously are preaching the Bible and the Word of God, and also the abortionists um, and you know the, the pro-life uh, folks that are challenged by abortionists. And I, you know, you can see evil. Um, I, you know, if you say the name Jesus Christ, they go crazy. You know, they'll start yelling and screaming about, you know, it's uh, my life. Uh, you know, my, you know, don't put your morality on me and all this kind of stuff. But I see us in all this. This is like a tapestry, I think. Uh, There's that word again, tapestry. Really? Well, Keith, yeah, yeah it's, it's a, a big tapestry. Go ahead, Phil. Yeah, and I and, and we're part of that tapestry, and you know, so you know, perseverance and faith, trusting. Um, these are all kind of dynamics that we have to take on as we navigate this world, and um, you know, and you know, you guys fertilize me, um, so um, and we, maybe we fertilize each other, you know, with the word. And uh, so I, but I, the metaphor about the garden, I can really relate to it um, and because I feel uh, we are in a garden, but sometimes that garden is not the way you want it. Sure. But, uh, but I'm, I'm grateful for the grace that's been given to me and the blessings that have been given to me, like, you know, being able to speak and share this with you. Um, but I, I, you know, there are things that he says that are in, in this gospel that I find kind of interesting. Um, he says, I will open my mouth. Well, this is one of the prophets that, uh, that Jesus is fulfilling. I will open my mouth in parables. I will announce what has been hidden from the foundation of the world. So here he is, he's speaking to us in a metaphor to get to what has been laying hidden from the foundation of the world, which is hope. Um, there's a way of, uh, I mean, that's part of the good news, right? Salvation. And uh, these are kind of jumbled thoughts, uh, but it's just what I'm experiencing right now while you guys are talking like this. I don't know, Mark, Keith, you guys have done some street preaching, right? Have you been challenged? Uh, I mean, I haven't, I haven't done any street evangelization in a long time, and I only did a, okay. like a, a little bit. Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I know that there, there's some really, uh, there's a guy in uh, Venice, California, uh, Australian guy, and... Um, you know, he's trying to reach out to them. Obviously, he's evangelical, but he does the, uh, you think you're a good person, or you think that, uh, or the, he opens the question of, uh, you know, he's obviously standing there with a sign, and if he sees somebody, he will approach them or say something to them to try to engage them. But he will go through a whole, I don't know if you saw this, uh, on, on, but he does a whole thing about uh, engaging people and asking them, what do you think about afterlife? You might open up the conversation with that. 
And uh, do you think that um, there's something other than, you know, what happens to you when you pass? And, uh, and do you believe in God? But he'll say something like this. He'll say, have you ever told a lie? Yes. Have you ever told, uh, have you ever um, stolen somebody or something? And they'll say, yes. So what does that make you? Well, it makes you a thief. It makes you a liar. And then he says, but the good news is there's repentance. And uh, so in my mind, when I see that, he's really that, um, that sower that's going into the field and uh, trying to uh, have the weeds turn into wheat. But anyway, so that, that's all I have. But I think all of us in our journey, in our tapestry, we all have a place in it, and, you know, in this plan that God has for us. And, you know, for some of us, we struggle with our faith. Um, you know, some of, some of us respond to it much more quickly. Um, yeah, that's it. Uh, you talking about that um, street evangelization person reminded me, um, when, I, when I did uh, this a couple times, I went one time with someone to... Um, to uh, the, the train station in Center City, and uh, and we stood by a sign and we handed out like rosaries and miraculous medals, and and some people, you know, would accept them. Some people wouldn't. Some people who would accept them would you know stop and talk to us. And I felt like that was a good way. And then we would just listen to them. Usually they had you know something on their hearts that they wanted to talk about, and yeah. uh, and so we got to see like you know. Uh, like you were mentioning this tapestry and, and like you know we we're all woven into it in some way and so it's interesting hearing hearing where people are at because um, uh, what it's difficult to you know to like in the example that you shared of that um, you know preacher trying to explain the bad news that leads to the good news it's it's kind of difficult to to cold call people like that, you know, and, and just, yeah, 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 oh yeah. But uh, but if you, but if you know where they're at, and, uh, yeah. and how, and, and uh, it, I feel like it's easier. And usually they already kind of like you know, uh, know that's so I don't know. But just for like if anyone's doing the street evangelization, I would I would focus uh, using that technique that I, I talked about that seemed successful when we were in Philadelphia, which is you know. Offering people a physical object <laughs> and then, yeah. and then yeah. allowing them to talk uh, and listen to them and then see where yeah. they're at and then let things, you know, hopefully rely on the Holy Spirit as the, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, the guide there. Yeah. Well, on that note, um, please say a prayer for every Uber and Lyft driver that I ever have or ever have had mm -hmm. because that's what you do. <laughs> I preach and I have a captive audience. And these guys, <laughs> and because they're not going to kick me out, they're going to, and every single time I've done it, I have had either a conversion in them or an acknowledgement that what I'm saying is the right thing, yeah. you know, but because they already believe. Unbelievable, unbelievable. Just, um, people, isn't that great? It's, it is, great. it is great because it's just a weird, a weird opportunity that God has given to me. And it just turns out that I, he allows me to say the right things so I'm not thrown out of these cars. And um, uh, whether they're yeah. Buddhists or Hindus or, or um, Muslims, 
or Catholics, we end up we end up getting on the same page. It's just phenomenal. It's unbelievable. It's just crazy. I think that's great, Robert. Uh, I you know I pray. I say a little prayer to myself. Uh, you know to you know for the Lord to give me the opportunity to uh, share my faith. So. I may not always say it in the morning, but in the course of the day, that thought crosses my mind like a cry on, on a TV set. Yeah, and what's weird is, this is really weird, because sometimes I say things to the people that are driving me that you wouldn't normally say to somebody, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I will say that I'm struggling with this, or I'll say this happened to me, or this that. Excuse me. Mm -hmm. And these people, they say... I can't believe you just said that. I have the same issue. Or I'm doing the same thing. Or, And it's like, so it doesn't even matter what religion these people are. Everyone has the same troubles with being a weed. It's absolutely amazing, you know? So it's like, for some reason, God puts it on me to say, well, I should just say that, that this is happening, right? Or this or that. And then it's like, oh, man, I'm going, like weeds. You know, What's that? We are like weeds. Well, we can be at, uh, at times, right? I mean, That's sure. More like the seeds of the good fruit. You could be both. Yeah. Of course, you could be both at it's any time. Yeah. Right? I mean, it, we're not all saints, right? We yeah. we are both, sure. right? And that's why I was getting yeah. at with Keith is like, when end time comes, how do you know what side you're on? And then Keith says, well, I mean, it's going to be. It, it's uh, yeah. not necessarily a matter of time. God knows your heart, right? But but that's. Yeah. But here's something I want to discuss with you guys because it, it irks me every time Keith brings this up because Keith is always saying God knows your heart and God, um, you know, knows why you're doing bad things if you're doing bad things and it may not be a bad thing because you may have a reason you're doing it. But I struggle with that and I've always labeled that as two things, relativism and situational ethics, right? We know, and God knows, that abortion is not right. It's a sin. But you talk to any woman who's had an abortion, and she'll say, this is the reason I had it. Now, according to Keith, she could be okay with herself. Because she had her reasons. And... God knows those reasons, and God can yeah, say, will, give her a pass. Well, I don't think that's the case for everything. It just doesn't make sense. Okay, yeah, to so me. I, I didn't say I didn't I, I didn't say that things weren't a sin. I was trying to make a distinction between a mortal sin and a sin. Because you know, a mortal sin is what kills your relationship with God. And, well, and 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 well, that's what we're talking about here. I don't think we're even discussing the, the venial sins because it's God is going to forgive well, those. That's my medication. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, seriously, that's an antidepressant. Oh, uh, your friends needed. When we talk about sins, we're talking about the Ten Commandments in general. Yeah, but the, but uh, the difference between a, a mortal sin and and a sin is that the person you know knows it's wrong and does it anyway. Like like that person may not, that, you know, for whatever reason they don't believe in God and so they don't think it offends God and so they don't really know that they're offending God so much and so. You know, in that sense, it it may not be a mortal sin because they don't actually know uh, uh, the, the 
They don't have the full knowledge. I believe that any woman that's had an abortion probably believes at the time she's having it, she's not doing the right thing, but she has no choice because of her situation. Mm. That's what I think. Yeah, well, I, I, and even so, even so... I mean, they could get along with that. They could come up with the idea, well, it's just a clump of cells, it's not a baby, right? Yeah. And that's kind of the way they can rationalize it, right? right? But... Well, I think that a lot of women who have abortions, they're like, yeah, I, I know it's wrong, but I, I also know uh, if I don't do this, I'm not going to be able to live. I don't have enough money, and then I'd have to commit other sins because right. of that. I may have to become a prostitute. I may have to steal. I may have to, you know, compromise my relationships. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's like, yeah, well, even even so, uh, you know, people all once they do have full knowledge, they have the ability to repent. And, and right. you know, so it's like you also don't know what happens at the moment of death if they're given that full knowledge and then given the <laughs> chance to repent. I know, but these kinds of things where he's talking about the end times where you're a weed and you're, or you're a, a, not a weed, right? The fruit or the weed, right? But he doesn't mention in this, in, he doesn't mention in this parable yeah. that when the Angels come to separate the wheat from the chaff. That the angel's going to say to you, "So, <laughs> how are you doing today? Are you you really believe that what you did was right or wrong? You understand? What I'm yeah, saying? I understand what you're saying. That, that and it's true that people, you know, you have to, uh, you know, you do have to repent in order to get that salvation. You're saying it doesn't say that they repented. And, and no, so it doesn't I, even give them the opportunity in this moment. Yeah. According to this thing, right? He, he doesn't say it doesn't say the angels are going to come and see the evildoers and the, and the, those who who instruct others to do evil um, are going to have the opportunity to repent before they get tossed in the fire. He doesn't say that. I know, but thanks to God, Jesus came and and, uh, and you know to, to heal the sick, and so and we're all sick. No, I get it. I just wonder why sometimes. He says it, and other times he doesn't say it. I guess you have to take the Bible holistically in its entirety, but um, it would be nice if he was a little bit more repetitious uh, with things that are that critical, because this is pretty significant. Yeah, I'm just thinking about, I wish, it's not going to happen, but I try to do this as much as I can. If, if more people will believe that we are gifts from God, I think we might treat our bodies differently. Um, I think, like, some people don't believe or even think about the fact that we are all gifts. Um, I never, I'll never be a woman, but I, I just can't imagine. Oh, no. No. I, I, I just can't. Nowadays. <laughs> like, for example, um, it's not rocket science in terms of when you get together with the opposite sex, like, what could possibly happen? It's not rocket science. Everybody knows. So if you treat your body as a gift from God, and I'm going to do this um, to create a person. But it sounds like most people who, maybe all, I don't know, who have abortions are doing it to please themselves, not God. So they're not really treating their body as a gift from God. They're just pleasing themselves. They're not pleasing God. That's the way I look at it sometimes. Yeah. I don't know. But this is this is good, right? I mean, we had a good discussion. Yeah, it's a good conversation. Uh, that's what it's all about. Um, 
Any parting words still? Anything? Well, I think uh, I, I think the the word that Keith had used is um, uh, uh, now I lost I lost the word that uh, Keith said, but I think that. Um, 